New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. I can guarantee you, you're going to see something this morning in this church that you have never seen before. I dare you to say you've seen this before. It's always a strange thing when there's a cooler sitting up on it. We don't often have coolers on the platform, do we? Could be an assortment of delectable beverages. Something that I got from work that I want to sample and have you try. Could be my lunch. Could be perhaps I'm going to teach you how to eat lunch. Yeah, good. <laughs> Sounds good at that. Could not be a food or beverage at all. Could be perhaps a living animal. You know, they put things like pythons and snakes and stuff in coolers, right? No idea what's in there, do we? Beautiful. We have props this morning. <laughs> I just wanted to echo what <clears throat> Ralph said about Russ and Chris. Just part of the DNA, part of the pillars of this yeah, church. Um, even if you don't know them, they deserve your respect and honor. They're just right. amazing people who have paid their dues and Wow. I'm going to try to be as fired up this morning and energetic as I can. For some of you, maybe perhaps some of you were awoken at 5.38 this morning by your neighbor's car alarm going off. I don't know who that could be. 5.38. Definitely 5.38. Absolutely. 5.38. Rang the whole cycle, too. Or perhaps some of you awoke at 6 this morning because you wanted to be, catch the beginning of the second stage of the Tour de France. <laughs> the most important and significant sporting event of the year is the Tour de France. For those of us that cycle on roads, on bikes, this is our Super Bowl, our Stanley Cup, our World Series... <laughs> And our NBA playoffs rolled all into 21 stages. This is it for us. Don't watch the World Series. Could care less about the Stanley Cup. Tape the Tour de France. <laughs> 21 stages, 22 teams over the whole month of July. Take grown men, put them in spandex, nothing but a helmet, and send them along the road at 35, 40, 50 miles an hour. Send them up hills that your car wouldn't even go up. Send them down the hills at 65 miles an hour and do it for 21 stages. Top that. <laughs> Tour de France, baby. Tour de France. How's that, Cheryl? You betcha. You betcha. We're in Galatians this morning. Years and years and years ago, a whole bunch of people from the Celtic area migrated or made their way down through Europe and headed in the direction of Asia Minor. They were called the Gauls. They basically raped, pillaged, stole, burned their way all the way until they reached Asia Minor, which is like kind of what Turkey is in the Turkey area, all right? Finally, there's a king in the area that entreated them to kind of, could you just stay? <laughs> Stop, stay. And so they parked there, these Gauls, and they settled in all this, Asia, this area throughout Asia Minor. And that's where we get 
Galatians from. It's Paul's book to the Gauls, the people who live in the Galatian area. Now, it's one of the few books that Paul wrote that's not to a church. It's to a group of churches. It's to actually these churches all through this area of Asia Minor. Um, he wrote it between his second and his third visit. His first visit, he was with Paul. Paul was with Barnabas. Second visit, Paul was with Silas. Remember that little falling out over John Mark? Paul and Silas went up and went back up through these churches. These are, these are Paul's churches. These are people, these are Gentile believers who lived in this area that Paul led to the Lord and he established these churches. These are his churches. He has a unique bond with them. He has invested his life in them. He stayed amongst them. He led them to the Lord. He discipled them. He taught them. He worked with them. It says in the book, have I been with you so long? You know, he spent a long time with these folks. Two visits. These are his babies. If you read Galatians, it's a lot like Romans. Very much about justification by faith. Romans is much more of a kind of like an academic or an argumentative, incredible book and thesis on justification by faith. Galatians is different because Paul's speaking with authority in Galatians. These are his churches, right? These are, these are his babies. He's invested time. I know I do a lot of grand openings for the company that I work for. I'm out of town a lot. And when I go to these stores to get them open before they open, we used to be, sometimes we'd spend two weeks on site, two weeks away from your family, two weeks living in a hotel. And every day you go into the store and you train the people and you teach them how to do this and how to prepare this recipe or how to work with this piece of equipment or how to fill out your schedule. And you're with them every day, every day, every day. And then you work with them through the grand opening. I work for Wegmans. Um, you're with them through the grand opening when they're just getting barraged by people who are so excited to have one of our stores. Uh, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And you're with these people and you're investing your life. And when you're driving home, you're thinking, boy, I hope it's duck. That's the kind of feeling Paul had times 100. Um, Paul, is Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's responding to a group of people called Judaizers that had moved into the church. They basically waited for Paul to leave. And then they came in and they started um, teaching their gospel, a different gospel, to all these churches in Galatia. So you've heard this. I mean, if you've, if you've been through um, Jonathan Welton's Academy, Jonathan talked quite a bit about Galatians. He, he touched on it quite a bit. Significant book. Incredible book. You cannot read Galatians if you're in a hurry or you're just trying to get your Bible reading in. You can't. You've got to read it with... Because Paul is... I was talking to my daughter about it this morning. Paul goes into, like, ninja warrior mode, man. He, you want to see a guy who's passionate. You want to see a guy who's lit up and about screaming his lungs out. You're going to get Paul in Galatians. I love this book. I fell in love with it all over again reading it. Just fell in love with this book. Fell in love with Paul. What a guy, man. What a guy. Whew. I thought of you, Ralph. You know, I know uh, you, 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 you preach. You know, sometimes you say, you know, Wanda says... Slow down, take your time, and that's great to have that, but, but passion is great, man. Passion is a wonderful thing. Jack Hayford said, years and years ago, Jack Hayford said, I'd rather have to break a wild stallion than resurrect a dead horse. So, so be the wild stallion. Don't be the dead horse. 
All right, so the Galatians were about seven or eight years old in the Lord, right? This is between Paul's second and third visit. So he's going to go up there one more time. Don't want to be there on the third visit. Um, don't want to be a, a Galatian knowing that Paul's coming up for the third visit. Um, anyhow, it's between the second and third. Galatians basically are almost all Gentiles, Gentile believers. Um, it, it says at first they accepted him with love and honor. And they took him into their home and into their hearts. But then it kind of went south after the Judaizers showed up. There's something that um, the Gauls were known kind of like as a little characteristic of, of the people who lived in that area. Uh, they were known to be fickle. They were known to be fond of change, impetuous. They were known to be extremely changeable, quarrelsome. So they're actually ripe for the Judaizers. And you know about Paul, right? Here's the players. We have the Galatians. Now we have Paul. He's a converted Jew via divine revelation of Jesus Christ, right? The horse, knocked off the horse. The Lord spoke to him. Why do you persecute me? He describes himself in Philippians 3.5. He says, I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. That's kind of his resume, his pre-Christ resume. Pharisee, smart dude. Smart guy. Not someone to be trifled with. Judaizers were Jews. They were saved. And they were teachers. Some of them were converted Pharisees like Paul. They moved in behind Paul, and they began to teach Paul's believers, a different gospel. Taught them three things, or influenced them three things. He said that the Gentile Christians, many of which were adult men, were obligated to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, observe certain holy days and seasons, obey ceremonial protocols, and had to do all that if they wanted to belong to Christ. And enjoy the blessings of God's covenant. It was even implied that keeping the law was paramount and above obedience to Christ. So he said, okay, this is fine. You can be saved. You can know Jesus Christ. You can be born again. You can be justified by faith. But you have to keep the law too. You still have to do all this stuff. Jesus plus. It's a Jesus plus thing. You know? That's great. Okay. You can be a Christian. But you've got to do this stuff too. You've got to keep doing this stuff. You've got to obey all these ceremonies. You've got to observe these days. The second thing they taught was that Paul didn't have authority over them. They, they undermined his authority. They said, he uh, doesn't have the authority of the apostle. apostle. He wasn't with the original guys, Peter, James, John. He's like an add-on. He doesn't really have any authority as apostle. They accused him of being independent, overly zealous, undependable. They even said he graduated from the wrong seminary. Um, they accused Paul of secretly putting himself Above the Galatians. The Judaizers said to the Galatians, look, Paul's saved. Paul's justified by faith. And he obeys all the laws. He's circumcised. The reason he's not telling you to is because he wants to be above you in God's eyes. How does that sound? Yeah. That's why he's telling you to, he won't tell you to do what we're telling you to do because he wants to be above you. He wants to be superior to you. And the third thing is the Judaizers believed that 
salvation and justification without any adherence to laws uh, was sinful and undisciplined living. You had to have laws. You had to have rules. You had to have these things. Or else you would slip into that big word, antinomianism, which is lawlessness. You'd be without the law. So you had to obey the law. Paul's a crackpot. Not who he says he is. You can't trust him. And you have to have the law. You have to have obedience to the law or else you're just going to spiral off into sinfulness. And they did it all while Paul was out of town. You've got to hear his passion. You've got to hear Paul's passion. When you read Galatians, you've just got to read it. And you've got to hear this guy pouring his heart out. We knew that physically he wasn't a very attractive guy. You know, He wasn't like Sunday preacher or whatever. You know, I mean, was, they said he was actually kind of like unattractive. He had some physical problems, short, probably hunchback. Not a real attractive guy. And yet he had the fire. He had some fire in him. I'm going to go through these. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Galatians. I was just going to pound my way through these scriptures. Uh, just to give you an idea of what's on par- Paul's heart, his passion. You want to know his passion for his churches that he established there? I'm going to read through them. One, one. He says, Paul, an apostle. Right out of the gate, baby. Right out of the gate. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 1. He's on him. He's on him like, an, like a lion out of a cage. First verse, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor from the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. So you say, I'm not an apostle. You say, I'm not official. And guess what? My apostleship doesn't come with something I bought or was handed to me. God directly, directly called me to this by revelation. 1 verse 6, I am amazed... I am amazed. Can you hear Paul? Don't read this. I am amazed. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of God for a different gospel. 1, verse 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we preach to you, let him be accursed. He says it again. He repeats it. got to love Paul. As we have said before, now we're going to say it again, in case you didn't get it the first time I said it. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary, let him be accursed. It's like taking the gloves off. All right? We're still in the first chapter. Verse 10. I said, Now am I seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 2 verse 5. They're talking about the Judaizers when they met down in uh, Antioch. But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel will remain with you. He said, we can give in. I'm not caving in to those guys. I'm not caving in. 2 verse 11. Then he takes on Peter. He wrote it down. (laughs) But when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I oppose him to his face. He's stoked up, man. Paul is stoked. He's going to get this off his chest, man. This, this, I'll tell you, when this scroll arrived in Galatia, it was smoking. They had to leave it on a rock somewhere. It would have cooled down. I'm not, I'm not touching Utah. I'm not reading it. You read it. I'm not going to read it. Two verses 13 and 14. The rest of the Jews joined Peter in his hypocrisy to the result that even Barnabas was carried away with her hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like a gentle, Gentile and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel, compare the Gentiles 
to be like Jews. 3 verse 1. You foolish Galatians. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you're now being perfected in the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, did he do it by the law or with faith? 4, verses 9 through 11. How is it that you're turning it back again to the weak, worthless, elemental things? You desire to be enslaved all over again? You want to be slaves all over again? I thought we dealt with this. You got saved, man. You're free. You want to go back? You want to go back to all this stuff? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. I wasted my time. I wasted my time. Did I waste my time? All those days with you? 4 verse 12. I beg of you. Now his heart's coming out. Maybe... Maybe his Italian has subsided a little. (laughs) He's like, I beg of you, man. All right, if I can't appeal to you through my anger, I beg of you, become as I am. 4 verse 15. Where then was a sense of blessing that you had? 16. So have I become your enemy for telling you the truth? Am I now the enemy because I told you the truth? Yeah. 5 verse 1. And this is the key verse for this morning. It was for freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Don't be subject again to yoke of slavery. Five verses two and three. Behold, he says again, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ is of no benefit to you. I testify again, he repeats it, to every man who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. Now that we're talking about circumcision, unique choice of words by Paul, you've been severed from Christ. You get it? Okay. You've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. You were running so well, 5 verses 7 and 8. Who hindered you? from obeying the truth. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. 5, verse 11 and 12. Brethren, if I'm still preaching circumcision and the law and the obedience to that, then why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross is abolished. Why are people picking on me? I don't know if you knew that, but just before he went up there during his second, he got stoned, they stoned him, and they dragged him out of the city, and all the guys were standing around him, and he got up and walked away. Paul paid his dues, man. This is not happy, happy. I wish that those who were troubling you would even mutilate themselves or castrate themselves. You can't read that. I wish those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. He's mad. Again, it came back as Italian. He's still mad. Verse six, or chapter 6, verse 11. See with, with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hands. He did this himself. Couldn't wait for the, couldn't wait for the scribe to show up. He said, oh, but get me my scroll. Well, I, you know, I can't, no, I'm going to do it myself. And he starts writing it down. The NASB, that's the version that I use. That's the one that you've been reading from. 
He says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to yoke of slavery. Are you getting it? Yeah. Are you getting what's at stake here? Justification is by faith and faith alone. Yeah. Nothing else. There is no Jesus plus. The NIV says, uh, do not let yourself be burdened. The New King James says, uh, stand therefore in the liberty and don't be entangled again. Yeah. Uh, the Living Bible says, Christ has made us free. Now make sure you stay free. Don't get all tied up again in the chains of slavery of Jewish law and ceremonies. King James Version, stand fast, amplified. Do not be hampered or ensnared or submit again to slavery. And from the message, Christ has set us free to live free lives. Take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. The beautiful thing about Galatians is it's self-contained. You don't have to hunt outside the book for the answers. The questions and the answers are all right in the book. The problems and the solutions are all right in Galatians. In six chapters, he writes the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. You don't have to go anywhere. It's all right there. He says, there's what they're saying. This is the truth. This is what they're saying. This is the truth. This is what they're saying. This is the truth. He does it. It's a beautiful book. Six chapters. You've got to read it. You've got to read it. It's a great book. Galatians. Uh, chapter 2, verse 16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith, in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Couldn't be any plainer. You got it? Hello, McFly. You got it? Yep. Every one of you like 25 and under didn't know what I was just talking about. why I hate you. No. No, I don't hate you. 2 verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died needlessly. Needless. You want to stick with the law, you don't need Christ. Verse, uh, how about chapter 3 verses 23 through 26. Before, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore the law became our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to skip some stuff. 6 verse 15. For neither circumcision is anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. I love how he closes out the book. <laughs> I love this. I love it. I told you about the whole getting stoned and persecuted and chased. And he says to him, From now on, let no one cause trouble for me. I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. End of chapter. No more troublemakers. Stay away from my churches. I pay my dues. 
I have been persecuted to the point of even being put to death, supposedly by stoning. We're done with this discussion. We're done with it. You get it? Yeah. Now we get to find out what's in the cooler. <laughs> I figured since it's July 4th, it's the holiday weekend. Right? It's a holiday weekend. Everybody comes up here. They have water. I work for a food company. So I thought I'd kick it up a notch. It is food. It's not a bow constrictor or anything. I'm not that stupid. I wouldn't know what end to grab. So I thought I have a little delicious intermezzo, an intermission of my sermon. We would do a little bit out of the ordinary. Realize. Why are you laughing? On ice, beautiful. Perhaps some of you would join me. I have some cups. Why should be laughing? This is serious. serious here, okay? I have some cups. Okay. What we have here, every time I say that, I have to say, is a failure to communicate. No. Um, Again, those of you 30 and under didn't get that one. Just think of all the great movies you missed. Your fault. Cool Hand Luke, Paul Newman. George Kennedy. In case you haven't noticed by now, I spent most of my young and teen life in front of the television. (laughs) We had TV trays in my house. That's where we ate dinner. If you're laughing, I'm I'm serious. We ate dinner on TV trays in front of the television. That's what we did. Watched way too... Now, what we have here is a delicious raspberry... See, that's why I brought my glasses. Can't read the fine print anymore. What we have here is a delicious, 100% natural seltzer, calorie-free raspberry lime. Refreshing. Refreshing. What am I going to do? I pre-opened it. my first day at the party. <laughs> so what we have here is a beautiful 100% sulfur, sul- seltzer, calf, calorie-free raspberry lime. I told you. <laughs> Details. Um, let's see. You're looking at 33.8 flu ounces. It's about a liter, right? A liter is a little bit more in a quart. Delicious. So it was on ice. It's nice and cold. So here we go. I'll pass out some cups. Everybody wants to join me. Here's a couple cups. Here, can Here, another cup. It's cold. It's delicious. I know. You're, you're a label reader. Contains 
Carbonated water, natural, carbonated water, natural flavoring. No additives, no color. Okay. So you want to see the problem? No? Okay. No. Our family has been crafting carbonated beverages in New England for over 125 years. It began with our great grandfather, <laughs> who created what he considered the world's best tasting bubble recipe. The passion for refreshments and perfection continues every day and with every bottle we make. It's just a little bit of spit. I had some spit. I want to spit it on the ground. That would be gross. Let's just put it in here. It mixes in. Look, it's all mixed in. So you don't want it. It's a liter of raspberry lime, and it just has a little bit of spit in it. And you guys are grossed out. You wouldn't drink it. Never? Up until 30 seconds ago, the spit was in my mouth. I brushed my teeth. I'm not sick. No. None. Anyone? No. You don't want a lot of freedom with just a little bit of yoke of slavery? You got a whole liter here of this delicious, cold, on ice raspberry lime. It's just got, I guarantee you, less than a teaspoon, half teaspoon of spit. My spit, you know me, and you don't want it. None. None. All that freedom, just a little bit of slavery, and you don't want it. You're going to waste this whole bottle. Oh, but a good one. Okay. All right. Thought we'd do something different. Let's go back to Galatians. You guys, hard to please. I can drink it, it's my spit. Why is that gross? It was just in my mouth less than two minutes ago. I'm just putting it back. <laughs> What's the problem? Ugh. How come it's all okay when it's in your mouth with saliva and when it's out spit? How does it change names? <laughs> all right. Galatians chapter 5. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. In other words, you can't do this in the kingdom. You can't mix freedom and slavery. You can't mix freedom and self-justification. You can't mix freedom in any of your works. There's no blending in the freedom, in, in the kingdom. You don't get to blend. You don't get to do 95 things under justification by faith and have a couple of cute things that you like to do that make you feel good and better with God. You can't do it. Paul says, if you're going to accept the spit, you have to go back to the law. I made this. I'll tell you what's in here. Sawdust, dirt, 
cigarette butts, three-in-one oil, weed be gone weed killer, old 5W20 oil, dead bugs and beetles, driveway sealer, goose poop that I got from Robert Wesleyan, and spit. It's all in there. You think I'm lying? See the cigarette butts? Look, they float. And water. And my spit. That's what's in here. Don't doubt me. See the stuff at the top? That's the bugs and the goose poop. They disintegrate. <laughs> Paul is saying, you can't blend. You can't take the freedom that Jesus died for and, ask, and add a little bit of your law. If you do that, you have to have this. This is what you get. Didn't it say somewhere in Galatians, the weak and worthless? Right? Did I read that? Chapter, verse 2, chapter 2. The weak and worthless things. That's the law. That your righteousness. Actually, he says, all our righteousness is as. And we know what those are. Couldn't get those in the bottle. You can't blend. Ever. Can never blend. Your justification is by faith. Period. It's based on what he did. You can't add anything to it. Or else you have to go back to the law. How's that? That's what Paul was saying. You want this? Who wants this? I'll, I'm even afraid to open it. I don't even know how I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> That's the message. Yeah. You can't do this. Or you get this. Look at it. Settle down a bottle. I was afraid he was going to eat through the plastic last night. How do you know? How do you know if you've got like a little bit of the law chugging around inside you that you're trying to get justified with? Got like a little scorecard going on in the back of your brain? Kind of keeps track of the good things you've done and the bad things you've done. Wednesday and Thursday went well, but Thursday, Friday, I blew up. Well, I shouldn't have said that. Saturday and Sunday were okay. I've had a good week. I had a couple of slip-ups here. You kind of remember, they go on a scorecard, you know? Good and bad. You have the kind of thing going on in your head. Like you can do it yourself. Like you have to keep track of your sins and your good things and your bad things. How about the try-fail thing? You've been trying, fail, try, fail. Try to do something, fail. Try to do something, fail. Try to do something, fail. You got that in your head? The try-fail. And then that leads us right into the try harder, fail. <laughs> try harder, fail. Try harder, fail. Try harder, fail. Try harder, fail. Have to's. The have to's. I have to do this. I have to do this. You don't have to do anything in the kingdom. You don't have to have devotions with the Lord every morning. If you're doing devotions because you have to, He's not interested. You kiss your wife in the morning because you have to? Hey, honey, I'm going to kiss you. Good morning. I have to do this. You know, the other thing can happen, too. Some of us have been Christians for so long. We receive the Lord Jesus Christ with passion and with love. And then we start serving him. We do good things, man. You're involved in good things. Maybe you do this, you serve this, you give here, you give there. But over a while, that fruit kind of becomes it. Oh, I know I'm a Christian because I, I do this. And I do this, right? And I do this. And I give tithes of cumin and dill. And I sound like anybody? 
Pharisees. I do this, I do this, I do this. It doesn't matter how much you do. You're justified by faith, by your faith in Jesus Christ. All that other stuff that you're doing is you do because you love him. Right? We're free not to do what we want, but to do what we ought. We're free. And all that stuff that we do is great, but it doesn't make us any more justified. You're no more justified now than you were when you first got saved. Jesus did it all. He won't accept this. You can't add anything to it. The problem is, it says down in 5, chapter 5, verse 5 or 6, it says a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. And what happens is the spit eventually works its way into the whole bottle. The little thing that you're doing that makes you feel good and thinks puts you in right standing with God eventually taints everything. That's why God was so specific about what he said in Galatians. Don't even go near these things. They're not for you. They'll always leave you hopeless. And they put the focus on you. Don't they? Now this is freedom. Actually, it's cranberry lime, but it's unopened, and it's red. Jesus said this blood of the covenant. It's new covenant. In my blood. Last point. What are you walking in? What are you telling people about? Does your gospel have a hook in it? Come to Jesus, and you got to kind of do this stuff. You got to go to church. I'm not against going to church. I'm in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> going to church doesn't mean, mean you're going to go to heaven. There's lots of people sitting in church right now and ain't going to heaven. Newsflash. What are you giving? What are we selling? What are we bringing to the world? Gospel with a hook in it? Or freedom? Right? Those are my props. I invite anyone who wants to. Come on up and have some freedom if you want. Would you like some freedom? You can open it and listen. Listen. I didn't open it. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. Anybody else want some freedom? A little bit of freedom? Cranberry lime. Delicious. There's enough for everyone. There's lots and lots. Jesus said, this blood, this wine is representative of my blood, of a new covenant, where I do it all. Right? What kind of covenant was this called? This is a grant covenant, right? Where God does everything. And we get everything. (laughs) While these guys are getting their freedom, 
I'm going to wrap this up. This is kind of fun communion, isn't it? Different. Different. I didn't have no intention to do communion, but it looks like that's what's happened. It's a simple message. We need reminders, right? We need reminders. We need to be reminded that Jesus did it all. And by faith in him, I am in right standing with the Father. It doesn't feel like I'm in right standing. It doesn't matter what you feel. I am in right standing with the Father. I can come to him in confidence. I can put my hand on his arm. I can talk to him because of what Jesus did, period. And if my faith is in that, then I'm good. And anything I do in addition to that, I do because I love him and I want to honor him and I want to bless him and I want to say thank you. Lord, how can I serve you because I want to say thank you? Right? If you follow down in chapter 5 just a little bit farther, Paul says, Do not sin, but use your freedom to serve one another in love. Right? So there's your reminder. Let's pray. Father, we stand before you because of Jesus. We stand before you because of Jesus. We stand before you because of Jesus. I love him so much. And what he did, and I can add nothing to it, Lord. Father, I pray that this message would resonate with us this week that Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. Father, I just pray your blessing upon everyone here. You'd take, take this, we would take this home with us. We'd think about it. We'd talk about it. I know that people will never forget that I spit in a bottle or that I brought in nasty concoction. But if they never forget it, they'll never forget it. They'll never forget that freedom is free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Amen. We're going to have the prayer teams come up over here. And as Mark mentioned, it is, it is Prophetic Sunday. It's uh, Prophetic Team Sunday. So if you're seeking the Lord for prophetic word for your life, uh, you can line up over here on the side. Enjoy this beautiful weekend. I don't know if you know this, but it's like the seventh or eighth stellar weekend we've had in Rochester, <laughs> weather-wise. Enjoy it. Think about all that the Lord has done for us. <laughs>